What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today we've got Franklin is bored. Not only is he a structural analysis engineer, but in Web3 is known as a prolific board ape collector and expert NFT trader. Whether you're a small-time flipper or want to get into the mind of how the top trader makes his moves, you're going to enjoy this one. Franklin, what's going on, man? Thank you for being here today. Hey, what's up, Dylan? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? And uh, and thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. Super excited. And I know you've had quite the past few weeks, which we'll get into today. But let's just kick it off right now. Why don't you tell us who do we've got on the podcast today? Hey, my name is Franklin. A lot of you guys probably know me from Twitter as a big board ape collector or, or shiller <laughs> under the name Franklin is bored. Um, that, that sort of jump started my way into NFTs. Um, for the long term, starting in May of last year, and um, yeah, just been having fun in the space. You know, some good days, some some bad days, but you know, we're, we've made it here. At least for me, it's been uh, about a almost a year and a half total with NFTs, and it's happy to be here. And and there's a lot more to you than just trading JPEGs. You are actually professionally a structural analyst engineer. Can you tell us what that actually means? Correct. Um, it's uh, it's uh, for me at least right now. My job description is pretty simple. I work as a contractor for NASA, working on um, some of their satellites, and they have electronic boxes on there. So I like to do some structure analysis on those boxes. So I'll take a, a computer CAD model and make like a mathematical model of it and see how it reacts based on the design and, and let them know if they need any changes or not. So that's the scope of my job at least currently. Um, in the past, I've done some other cool stuff like work on a um, NASA rocket that's going to eventually take astronauts into outer space and um, did that for most of my career in the field. But I've been total in the field for about a total of 10 years since um, graduating undergrad. So it's been a pretty fun ride. It was always my dream job to work in the space industry. So something I want to still hold on to, um, completely unrelated to NFTs and board apes and what we'll talk about yes. on this podcast. Of course, it, it seems like a far cry from JPEGs. And from my understanding, it was actually Top Shot that drew you in. What was it about Top Shot that got you so interested in NFTs? That's a good question. I was really getting a lot stronger into crypto in terms of my 401k account and just general um, having you know more centralized exchange wallets because crypto was booming around the beginning of the very beginning of 2021 and the end of 2020. And so naturally, um, NFTs started coming up in, in, in my research that I do on Twitter. I, I didn't have this type of account the whole time. I, it was just a basic research account for um, other types of investing, like going in prediction markets, for example. So I had to look at real world events or sports or fantasy sports. Um, so sort of that crowd, along with the crypto crowd, I mean, it, it seemed like Top Shot was like the perfect logical uh, move for a lot of the people that I followed. And so I took tried my hand at it at around the beginning of March of last year. But the market had already peaked and it was on the way down. So I thought, you know, just like any normal market, you know, you have your peak and then you go down and maybe, you know, 
it goes up <laughs> and then it goes all the way up and nonstop. But it wasn't the case with Top Shot as everybody, anybody familiar with Top Shot can, can definitely tell you. Um, it's been a brutal uh, year and a half pretty much ever since the middle of February for Top Shot in terms of investing and making money um, and growing, you know, growing a portfolio, which is what we all want to do. And so I had to live that uh, very strongly uh, between March, I mean, between March and now, but mostly between March and May. But I took that opportunity, um, even though it wasn't successfully financially or successful financially to just do some research, follow the right type of people in the NFT space, learn about different projects like CryptoPunks and how they, they took over and probably still are the profile picture um, yes, in terms of a grail profile picture that can also be a personal brand and learned about, you know, provenance on the blockchain, how different NFTs have a certain, you know, a different mint date unique or mint time unique to each NFT. So I could figure out, okay, this Top Shot moment um, was minted before this other Top Shot moment. Maybe that might be worth something. So I was just doing little calculations like that to figure out what moments I should buy in a market that was, you know, going just straight down. I felt, okay, maybe I should hold on to some things and in a long time, they'll be valuable. They ended up not being the case, but the time I spent doing NFTs and just um, resigning myself to accept that it's not really about the money anymore allowed me to stay in the space and not, you know, quit or, you know, not rage quit or, you know, just block everybody and complain about NFTs and quit um, and quit Twitter, quit social media. I could have done that. You know, it was definitely, um, you know, I can understand if somebody in my situation would have done it, but I was so intrigued about the concept of NFTs that it just kept me around. Um, usually that's not the case nowadays. If I'm upset about something, I usually just sell and, and quit and get out um, <laughs> at, a, at a loss, no matter how big the loss is. But for some reason, you know, at that time, I kind of stayed involved. And, you know, I felt like we were still early. So there was not that I was going to ever make any money, but I just felt that if Top Shop was the only thing ever, I could have fun with it because it was something I liked doing. Yeah. And, and so your background it seems very analytical, which obviously helps out with trading. And of course, there are hundreds of different asset classes in which one can trade in. Why NFTs for you versus any other asset class? That's a good question. So I tried stocks, I tried crypto. I mean, my 401k was a mixture of both. And um, I had mixed results, mostly more bad than good. Like if I bought a stock and it go, went down instantly, like, five or ten dollars i would be really upset even though it's you know in the nft world that's gas fees with for us now you know on ethereum blockchain but back then it was just very frustrating just you know not really you know sort of being new to investing for maybe about a year or so at the time and not really having that much money to put in so it was very hard earned money that i saved up and even losing you know a couple of dollars made me realize it made me wonder you know, this is, am I wasting my time here? Am I actually learning something or am I really just throwing money away that could be spent for something else? So, um, it was not really the best of times. Um, and then to follow that up with top shot, um, you know, which, which isn't a JPEG. So technically it was just something new I was trying and seeing that not do too well. I didn't really know that, you know, I would do well with JPEGs. So it was kind of unexpected. I was not expecting, um, NFTs to sort of get me out of the hole in terms of finding good assets to invest in. But um, 
so so it's not it's not like I just you know woke up one morning and said hey JPEGs are ready to go let me just go all in it took me a long time to understand um, the market understand you know that unlike a stock where you know people that you have no idea or bots you know robots machines um, very high up people with a lot of money can affect a particular company based off of new you know real world news or the economy um, NFTs in, in in particular, JPEGs act a little bit differently. We all can see who's trading what, um, what their habits are. Um, sometimes it's connected to a particular person with a large following or influencer. And so you can really do, you can really get more in depth to a JPEG project and then a stock project, even, even, you know, with the maximum research possible for a stock, you know, it could be a company with, you know, tens or tens of thousands of employees and you don't really know how, you know, their day-to-day activity would affect the stock price. But with NFTs, it's pretty, you know, it's a lot smaller team that's in at front, you know, at the top. And then you can, all, you can see everybody who owns it. And so you can sort of, you know, gauge patterns, how things would go, um, how the market moves based on things like announcements or airdrops, or even, you know, sometimes the economy or the price of crypto can affect these prices. So it's a lot, it's a lot more levels in terms of, what could change um, the the I guess the direction of NFT projects, but it's something that you know it's, I guess is more, more you can you can see more human interaction and 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 sort of gauge a project and gauge you know how it's going by the psychology of who's holding it versus a particular stock that you have no idea what information people are trading on because you know it's a huge company that you're, you're not privy to that type of up close information to the people at the top and so you're obviously following trends are you taking it even further are you diving into etherscan and like checking out specific wallets and having different alerts set up or are you really just going off of gut twitter and just seeing what's trending at the moment uh mostly just my gut i use icy tools um i don't really look into who exactly is doing what with their wallets because you know it's well known that people have side wallets so they don't want to be triggered uh, or triggering any alert systems so i don't subscribe to any individuals that trade um and even if they did i would seriously take long consideration about if it's, is it worth me doing something just because they did it because now there's so many options out there and um a lot of a lot of ways to not succeed in nfts if you if you go in the wrong direction so i, I, I kind of really old school i keep it really old school at least relative to everybody else and and that i don't use any like wallet trackers um it's just mostly uh the community as a whole like what projects are doing the largest volume is it a low enough price for me to get in is the gas fees are the gas fees you know pretty low so they don't take up you know 50 60 percent of my buying price things like that and from my understanding when it comes to your overall investments the vast majority are in nfts right now do you see yourself diversifying into other crypto or even other outside investments whether it's reits or whether it's even housing or other sort of individual stocks outside of the crypto space not at the moment because i i just don't have the 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 research or the or i wouldn't say the means but the research and confidence to say hey uh moving from nfts to another asset class is the best move for me because I am sure that 
you know, I would profit from that. And I just don't know, especially with everything going on in the economy, if I could pick this time to be a good time to make those types of moves. So, you know, I just try to make things as easy as possible and do things I'm more comfortable with. And, um, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. So, of course, the goal is to make, you know, as, as much growth in your portfolio or as much money as possible. At least I'm fortunate enough to to say, okay, if this one doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, and do you have a 401k or an IRA that you keep right now? 401k through my job. Um, it's uh, I, I, I manage that pretty actively, um, but most of my money is in crypto and tech stocks. I try to follow uh, dips. I buy the dips of, you know, it's been tech stocks recently, so they've done pretty well this month and last month. But um, I, I, I did I did sort of, look away from my 401k during her first half of the year when I should have did more diversifying in terms of getting out of the crypto and out of the tech because I thought the NFTs were, you know, just just booming everywhere. Um, but so I, I had to sort of ride down the the entry into our recession period um, where I could have, you know, easily just cashed out of my 401k and left it, you know, didn't have any active investments and would have been a lot higher than I am now. But we'll, we'll get back, I think. That just shows how bullish I am in the crypto. Uh, we, the crypto we know you. We know you're bullish. We know you're bullish. With that being said, over the past three months in particular, the market has been extremely volatile. How has your NFT investing thesis or even style changed over the past three months, or has it not really at all? No, it hasn't changed. Um, I just think it's been strongly tied to the price of Ethereum. So I, I don't, I can't control that. I can't predict that. So when it was up, you know. It was good. So, in order for it to get up there, it was had to be down. In the, it had to be down prior, and that's where we are now. So, I'm not really concerned about, um, you know, NFT portfolio going down in dollar value because that relies on the price of Ethereum, which I'm a max a maximum bullish on in terms of. Um, I want to, you know, I usually keep my ETH and NFTs, so I don't, so I for sure don't lose any any way to get into nfts by you know losing out on eth if if i sell my eth and eth goes up and then i have to buy back in at a higher level to participate in nfts again so um so i'm, I'm sort of forced to be bullish on eth I and mean, i could always change up my strategy and get out of eth and sell on the sidelines but um it's it's suffered a large enough crash that i think you know whoever's in is is in here to stay in my opinion and when it comes to the psychology of owning these NFTs and you know, the, the majority of the NFTs that you own, they are PFPs, profile photos. A lot of people put them on to flex. If you couldn't show off your apes, would you still have the same interest level if, in NFTs? That's a good question. And like, and, and I'll that. even double tap. It's like point blank. How much of your collection is for vanity purposes? Um, with the apes, I, I, getting started with them, you know, buying them under one ETH, under two ETH, whatever. Um, it wasn't for, hey, let me flex this very expensive profile picture that's very hard to attain. So that wasn't, you know, when I bought it, I had no idea it was going to be at this price, even not even one, one tenth of the price it is now. And so the reason why I bought them um, was to just say hey look here's a way i can grow my portfolio hopefully somebody will buy it i can flip it and cash out and you know move on to back to stocks or something so it wasn't for um a expensive club membership where i can flex the actual membership card and it be a status symbol 
Um, but the market has changed and viewed it that way. And so I think in order for, for it to maintain, you know, the momentum it has now, it has to be viewed that way. And so, again, it's not something I sign up for or ask for, but <laughs> since I'm here, I might as well participate. And so if all that went away, if, if we say, hey, you know, the board apes are not a status symbol, or if people think, hey, you know, the apes are, are racist, they stand for uh, oppression and, and, you know, everything bad in society, you know, we don't want to see these images again. Um, that obviously would have an effect on uh, the value of the apes. And so I have to rethink that part of the strategy in terms of showing it off for vanity purposes. Yeah. But in the beginning, it wasn't about, um, you know, just just having, hey, you know, they have this expensive asset. I know I got a gold ape, which was more than the most expensive purchase at the time. It was four ETH. Um, wow, you bought your gold it, for thought, four ETH. Holy moly. Yeah, four, four um, from Pranksy, the first a few hours after it minted out, I'd already bought like 10 or 11 and then I bought the gold and it was just because of my analytical research. I just wanted to hey, say, Hey, you know what? I'll just throw all the money that I can at the most rarest trait for the cheapest price. And, um, even though gopher is not the rarest trait, it, I felt that with my research in punks, you know, aliens seem to, to be the big status symbol. So I felt, okay, people will look at the color first before they look at any other trait. So let me, just find the gold and, and run with it. And so that, that, you know, it still wasn't a status symbol. It was just me, you know, trying to flip it. I was like, okay, well, somebody else is going to be one, the, the top one. But I ended up making my profile picture. Um, and then a short time later, realized how important it is to have, or in our space to have that um, profile picture identity. And I, cause I, I never really had one in terms of my social media. If I did, it would have been just picture myself. And so it wasn't, you know, I didn't really have that like, attractive looking cartoon picture with a strong um, motivational voice that a lot of people seem to look up to on Twitter. And so it was nice to have the gold ape for that. And then also the uh, a few weeks in, I realized the licensing potential of these apes, how we had all the commercial rights to the artwork. So it became more than a simple um, thing to show off at that point, because uh, I, I, as a non-artist, became the artist of the art of the artwork and as that you know in that position now i can pretty much delegate whatever i want to about you know who can do what with my ape who got to talk to how can somebody use my ape in their artwork or in their brand um things like that so it, it was it was it was just beyond it, it goes way beyond just having the ape to flex but since we're at this level now i might as well yeah, use it to your advantage, of course. And and I want to, yeah. I definitely do want to get into the IP. But before that, I do want to talk even more about your ape journey. You bought 30 apes on Mint Day, from my understanding. Yeah, Mint Day 3 and ended up with 30. <laughs> That's a lot of conviction. And you had already been in the market through Top Shot. Why did this feel different from Top Shot that gave you so much conviction to buy so many in that first day? So on Top Shot, um, my first moment, I think, was a Vince Carter moment, which was about three, almost $4,000. So I went in with a bang on Top Shot. It wasn't like, you know, uh, apes were just all of a sudden I just, you know, I said, hey, I'm putting all my money in there and never, and never looking back. So I did the same with Top Shot. And I also bought a $17,000 LeBron James dunk moment, um, followed by multiple, like dozens of three or $4,000 Lamelo ball moments. Um, all those moments are probably worth, you know, one 
tenth of the price that is now. Wow. <laughs> so, um, I so I have experience buying with conviction. Conviction. So it wasn't a problem of like, hey, I'm nervous that this is going to go to zero and nobody will care about NFTs. I think what what drew me in was the sheer velocity of the sales. Um, I'd never seen that before. I had actually never been involved in any Ethereum or Solana or any other NFT project other than Top Shot. So not only was this my, uh, I mean, I knew about CryptoPunks, but I just couldn't afford them. All right. And I didn't want to pull my Top Shot money out. So not only was I um, doing NFTs for the first time in terms of like the minting process and buying on OpenSea and things like that, but it was also huge, huge amount of talk on Twitter. And so me, um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not, well, being upset, but not quitting and not putting my head down going away from Twitter um, and social media, still still in there, still grinding, doing research, is what led me to see um, the, the volume with apes. And it was not hard to miss. Like, it was literally, like, re- record-breaking sales. It beat, like, it beat the entire Rarible uh, website in, like, seven-day volume or something within, like, the first day. It was just a ridiculous amount. And this is at a floor price of, you know, 0.3.4 ETH. So there was a ton of people flipping and trading back and forth and selling at very low prices to make that volume pretty high. And just combine that again with the Twitter talk, there was like no way I could miss out on buying an ape. And a lot of people who have apes who minted or bought early probably feel the same way. Um, it was just you had to, it was one of those you had to be there moments. There wasn't like another profile picture project that was out at the same time that had. And, you know, an ounce of the the talk and the chatter on NFT Twitter. Um, we could say that the Board Ape Yacht Club started this profile picture run that's still ongoing till you know, we're over almost a year and a half later. And um, with CryptoPunks, again, they were, they were, I couldn't afford them, so they were out of the picture. Meebits mm-hmm. um, came out that same well, the week after, you know, just a few days after. Um, also, a lot higher priced than the apes were, so I was not really convinced in buying any. And so, you know, that left me with apes, you know, again, to sort of hang out with and invest in. Yeah. And so let's move forward to present day. And we've got this massive Yuga ecosystem out of all of their recent moves. Is there anything that you would have liked to have seen them done differently? Um, I think the other side meant really took a lot of money out of our pockets, but I did get paid a lot in terms of selling the land. So it's one of those, I'll take what I, can, what I get and not complain and move on. But in terms of the general public's perception, um, it was a price that a lot of people probably couldn't afford. And if they had that money right now, they could just, you know, buy a ton of land. <laughs> if they had that million dollars, they would be a super land well being able to invest in it. So I hate that people who minted and bought in could possibly have seen their investment gone down. Um, I mean, we're still only, you know, three months in, haven't played the game yet, so it's still early. But um, like you say, Yuga's been massive, and each time Yuga's launched something, it never really went below the mint price in terms of dollars. Uh, Usually the market eats it up and goes up. But this is the first time that, you know, it – it sort of went flat or the, I mean, the market also crashed to the crypto market. So you can't really control that. But I, um, I guess I wish that it could have been game ready at the time they launched it. Yep. And if you minted, you could jump right in the game and see your friends 
and, and try it out. Um, but that's not, but that I had no idea that they were even they were even thinking about doing a game until all the leaks and stuff happened. So they kind of sprang on us, you know, pretty quickly, and we just had to roll with it. You know, now, you know, now that we're here, you know, we know where their plans are, and so if you're ready to play the game, you just have to you have to wait for them to uh, be ready for us. Oh, that, that's the one thing I, I would change. But it's, it's just I had no idea that this was even part of the roadmap at all. So it's like I'm happy to have it here. But if I knew, if I had known about it, I would have wished, you know, hey, let me mint this land and let me get my 3D ape and let's play. The um, the counter argument is that you know if we got everything all at once, there's be nothing else to look forward to. So it's always good to be. Uh, I've learned to have something that's always coming in the future. Yeah. And when it comes to the actual game itself, do you have an interest in other side? Or are you strictly, hey, I'm in it for the investment. I'm not really trying to be playing in the game at all. Oh, I'm really in it for the apes. So whatever gets me to the maximum apes, I will try. Um, if the other side is a 10x opportunity, I will get in the other side and 10x it and then get out. I just didn't think it was. So in terms of playing the game, if playing the game you know, results in me 10xing my investment, I will play the game. Um, but otherwise, I don't think I would. Um, I think... I have to see what the game is about first and like what the objectives are. It's a, it's a lot easier for me to live my life as a top, you know, whatever 10 holder of apes than to be a top 10 video game player on the other side. So I have to, it's one of those, I have to know my lane and know my strengths and weaknesses and gaming, putting the time in to play the game, whatever, if it's a competition, you know, it is not the best use of my time Mm -hmm. knowing I'm already successful somewhere else. And, um, you know, it's, so I have to see if it's fun to play or not. But if it's just you know, one of those you have to grind it out games or competition, I'll probably just, you know, ease off of it a little bit. And, well, the last part is me having to use, you know, put all these apes to, to work. So, you know, I, I really envision uh, the 3D apes being a big character in the other side, something that hopefully a lot of people would want to have. Uh, they, they do, they are giving people the freedom to, you know, make their own thing in the other side. So maybe... Uh, the apes won't matter as much because people have the freedom to sort of make their own project in there to, to have their own character. But it'll be nice to have like the apes be like the flagship uh, flex, like you say, vanity, vanity material in the, uh, in the other side. So I can have, you know, my gold ape could be like a little bit, a little bit taller than all the rest of the avatars or something. So everybody can see me. Um, this would be a good time to have a blue bean ape so you could see the whole, the whole world. Because the beams just go out infinite. Do you own a beam? And so everybody, I don't. Um, I, let, let, let's see how they play out. If they do, if they do have that sort of flex, I might have to trade up for one. I want to dive into the IP. So of course, with you owning the apes, you get to merchandise them, and you can try to find mm-hmm. ways to make money off of them. How are you finding deals right now? And is that something that you are prioritizing, or you think that? If you spent your time trading, you could potentially just make more money doing that instead of just the licensing component. It goes both ways. Um, uh, I, if if I make money from licensing, it'll probably go into funding some of my trades, which is great. I've already done that, minus the uh, ETH that I lost in the ENS thing. But you know, would probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to have the ETH if it wasn't for money that I got in the licensing deal. Or um, so that that is where I see like in terms of. My investment strategies, which I discussed earlier, you know, I, I don't want to shy away from the JPEGs yet. I want to still keep doing them. So it's sort of like a self, 
funding, passive income type thing to have licensing money come in. So, so far I've gotten one major deal with a public company for 25 my apes. I don't, I'm not going to announce it yet because I'm waiting for them to set it up and announce it, but they've already paid me and, you know, I'm happy about it. And what does that so deal look like from a usage perspective? What rights do they have over your apes? They have a right to say sell. I was say I'll just say they sell products. So they have a right to make products in their industry using my apes. Um, so I, I would not be going to their competitors or to another company to do the same deal with my apes and you know flood the market and you know that would invalidate the current deal that I have. So I have some sort of responsibility, obviously, to make sure the apes are safe, um, not go to a competitor and do a deal. Also, you know, there's some fringe other opportunities that they might want to have with the apes in terms of um, media, like uh, movies and cartoons and things like that. So I'd probably, you know, wouldn't be shopping these same apes around for a huge licensing deal in that field, although I have the option to, um, especially if it's a better company than what this company is doing. But mainly their bread and butter products is what, you know, they kind of have the exclusivity over. And and since it's only 25 my apes, I now have 60. So I have 35 apes that are license free and, and I can go explore other deals. I, I still wouldn't touch the same industry that um, my current deal is in right yeah. now. Yeah. And, so and just to educate like people who are looking to license their NFTs, can you share just structurally how the deal was done, whether it was all upfront cash or whether there's royalties? Again, you don't have to go into specifics, but anything just to educate people in terms of how you structure the deal so they can use that as a reference if they have an opportunity? Yeah, I got in touch with the influencer, or they got in touch with me, influencer marketer, marketer and their attorney. And uh, the attorney and another business partner wanted to start a, a licensing company that could be like the middleman between myself and these big names, celebrities, or companies that want to do deals. So they would get a cut um, about 25% of my deals that they help, which I'm fine with because yep. I would not have gotten you know, uh, any, any through any other me method, in my opinion. Um, like I said, it goes straight straight to that public company. So there would be no other way for me to get in there unless I just banged the door myself and worked my own deal out, which I had no idea about the company before I did the deal. And I would not, you know, it would have taken me a long, long, long time for it to click to go knock on somebody's door. So I, I you know, by then they could have no deal with somebody else. Yeah. So it's one of those, you know, I take what I can get and very thankful about it. So um, any other deal going forward, if, you know, if they're help, you know, they'll get a cut of it. And, um, we have outside. I also have outside counsel that, um, you know, could, could be a conflict at times, but do does work with the licensing agency. So um, that outside counsel, if whatever whatever we work out, in this case we already understand they'll get five percent. So then, I, so in this particular deal, I guess I will get seventy percent of all the the money that comes in, and then I'll get royalties. So there, I will get royalties for about four and a half years. Great for their. Sales, I say between twelve to eighteen percent, depending on how how well their sales do, and then you knock off thirty percent uh, for uh, you know the commission I would have to pay. So who knows what amount that would turn out to be? It could be you know nobody could care about the apes and nobody cares about the product, or you know it could be a big hit and um, you know apes could be their number one selling you know product. You know what they're putting the apes on, so. That's up in the air in terms of how much money I get 
but it's definitely a very lucrative deal. Helped me get from 53 to 57 apes. So Yo, do the math. Do the math. Dude, dude, that's great. So, uh, <laughs> thanks. That's really so, great. Um, I mean, Ethereum was really low. It was like hitting a thousand. So yeah, <laughs> back then. So it wasn't like you know four thousand Ethereum, and I get by <laughs> four apes at that point. So it, was little, it, was, it took advantage of the bear market. Um, so it all it all you know worked out. And there's other. Um, so I haven't signed any other deals, but I just want to say on the podcast um, for anybody that doesn't know, there's plenty of other licensing agencies that have sprung up this year. Um, like feature, sig roll, um, board jobs, and I'm missing I'm missing one. Um, we'll have to go back. Have to, uh, maybe we can edit it in or just see my tweets about them. Oh, non fungible films as well. They do a lot of like casting calls for apes to to connect the apes with certain certain companies to license license out. So you don't have to do what I mentioned and just go. You can obviously that's the, the best way to do it to get the most value. This is just going to knock on the doors of these companies and say, hey, look, you should use my apes. Um, we, there are other mechanisms, some completely automated on-chain and some, you know, just pencil on paper. Um, like my current licensing deal, which, you know, we want to eventually bring it on-chain, but now it's just pencil on paper. You can use your, you know, as long as you have the right counsel and make sure you're not, you know, signing the wrong the wrong stuff. These, these groups or companies have allowed apes to explore more opportunities for licensing deals as time goes on. Like if, you know, we couldn't get these types of deals in the first week of owning an ape, nobody cared. But now that they've become a sort of a pop culture icon, a big trending topic a lot, um, there's a lot more interest in terms of who can license their ape where. And and obviously the goal is anybody who owns ape should be able to license it out and have a good deal. Um, there's a lot of apes, just 10,000, but you know, we have to start from somewhere. Yeah, I think that's great. And my recommendation working with licensing before, and we all know this in the NFT space, is you really got to do your own research. And the reality is if something's too good to be true, then it probably is. And we do have all these communities for a reason. So if someone does want to come and license your ape or any other NFT that you own, make sure you're speaking to the right people because you don't want to lock yourself into a really shitty deal. Let's zoom out a little bit before we start to wrap this up. What are some industry concerns that you're having at the moment? That's a good question. I've been trying to flip apes for ever since the bear market really came in strong in June. And the the momentum of me flipping has, has been dying out. Um, the flippers that I normally flip with, <laughs> they can't really flip themselves. So now we're all just kind of stuck on the sidelines with our one ape that we wanted to flip with no money coming in. So it'd be nice to sort of pump that ape flew up a little bit um it was it was um touching 100 ETH at probably early july and now it's down to 80 so it's like a 20 percent dip i mean the price of ethereum went up uh, but it's you know who knows how far how much higher that that would go so uh it's been interesting to see that price movement but i think what has been you know the thing that can cancel that part out i mean it's not my it's my strength that's that's not really doing too well but there's other outside factors is the price of ApeCoin really uh, just in the past couple of days has strongly recovered. And the price of CryptoPunks, which, you know, people might think are Yuga Labs, maybe second best asset. They wouldn't say it's the first because of Bored Apes. Um, those have called up to the Bored Apes. So, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the runway is set for Bored Apes to now take that momentum and go forward. So I'm actually excited to see what Yuga does 
in the future with the apes. But um, just a little concerning that the price went down for the apes while everything else seemed to have gone up in terms of the ape coin and um, crypto punks. Um, so it, it was interesting to see like how the market views those collect the, t- the two collections as well as ape coin and relate them to each other. And I was thinking that if one, if even one of those three goes up, you know, all three would go up. And now we have two of them going up, and it's not the two that I'm in. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> fair. Either, either that's you know, that Franklin. That just you a, you like, can't win them all, Franklin. Yeah, I mean that could be an alarm bell to say, hey, look, you know, this is a leading leading indicator for the apes to finally go up. Or you could say, oh well, the apes are done. ApeCoin's going to surpass them. Uh, CryptoPunks are going to surpass them, and nobody cares about the apes. So it can either go one of, one or two ways. Um, but um, other than that, if we zoom out outside of Yuga, um, because I know I, I'm strongly in there, so I know them the most. But other other collections, I have been I have really strong concerns about um, even collections that have been around for you know they're hitting their one year anniversary. Um, cool cats come to mind. I, I think they might be at their lowest price in almost a year, maybe even exactly a year. So it's interesting to, to say that okay, anybody who bought a cool cat after August the the fourth has decreased their you know their net worth in in terms of ethereum just by holding it and usually you know in this space if you're early to something or you know you're in a quote-unquote blue chip high volume and things like that you you should be able you usually able to get out at a profit so it's it's been interesting to see how it's been so hard to profit from the from these older projects older older long-term projects this summer yeah and how easy it's to profit from brand new projects that have just either sold out or, you know, free mints. Yeah. So, so I'm a little concerned about that because it sort of compromises the health of of um, the blue chip, you know, big names. If if nobody if there's just no more growth in there, um, I wonder what would happen to people who are still bullish about them. Like, would they get out and start following the money to profitable opportunities, or are they going to hold it and ride it out and see what happens? Yeah, I got I got two more questions for you. Okay. If the apes were out of the question, what other collections would you be diamond handing right now? I really, I really like, and I have none of this, and I don't have any plans to buy right now. But I really like the story of Goblin Town, how they came from zero to, um, I think they're under two ETH now. Mm-hmm. But even then, that's still, you know, you can't really put a, you can't really put a ROI on something that starts at zero. So it's an infinite ROI, whoever minted. So congratulations to um, the Goblin Town crew, and. The way they the team has done their roadmap, you know, whether it was in secret or in public, it seems like they put a lot of thought into it compared to other projects. So that is one I really am intrigued about, even though I'm not invested in. Um, <laughs> outside of Goblin Town, um, I would say for long term, this is like you know, twenty thirty years from now, which I don't really subscribe to, but I think Doodles are going to do very well with uh, just the sheer you know name power that they have. And um, the art, the recognition of the art, I think, is really good. As long as they don't, you know, keep if they don't dilute their collection a lot, you know, it seems like they release a new drop every other month. But um, Doodles, I think, have strong potential, especially now. Like I said, when every it seems like all these other projects that are long term are just been going straight down this summer. So Doodles um, and Clonex, I think those are, those are two that are in that like eight to ten ETH range that could still have opportunity to double to like, you know, 16 to 20. And um, I have to do some more thinking for other projects, but those are like the the big names that I can't remember. It's like Galvantown, Doodles, Clonex, 
Um, do you have any? Can you, can you ask me about any? Of I got. I, I'm a doodles holder. So yeah, I, I really I love yeah, the dudes. I don't have, them, but I am definitely like rooting for them. It's one of those things where I, I think if these big bigger name projects do well, I think you know it sort of carries the space a lot. I totally hear that, Franklin. This has been awesome. I have one final question for you, and then I'll let you go. What do you want people to know about you? That I'm just a regular regular person who got extremely lucky in the board apes. Not, I never saw myself as an expert in NFTs, even though a lot of people love that praise onto me. I still approach it as a first timer to the space. I try to communicate with people as if, you know, uh, that's the, I think that's the only way I grow followers. It's not like people who are in the space for two years have just discovered my account and said, oh, let me follow Franklin. Like at this point, you know, anybody who's following me, following me is probably just, you know, just getting started with NFTs. So I have to really um, look after my audience and make sure that I'm not, you know, deceiving them in any way or coming across as some sort of unreliable or, or unreachable person. So I, and that's how I am in general. I would like to be a normal guy, talk about normal things. My life is the same life as most anybody else in the space. Um, nothing nothing too special, nothing too crazy, no, no glitz or glamour, nothing like that. Just here to have fun. And, you know, the same way I approached stocks and crypto in 2020, if I could make $5 in a day, that's a win for me. That's what's up, man. <laughs> this has been awesome and really glad that we now have this connection. And thank you so much for joining off the chain. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, let me know if I need to come back anytime. I'll, I'll glad to come on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Franklin. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too, thanks. Peace. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.